Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you so much for joining us as we kick off a new week. Hope you had a good weekend. Cowboys, my Cowboys helped my weekend be much better yesterday with an incredible victory yesterday. I kept, for those of you that uh, were watching it like I was, and you just saw this incredible onside kick and this big come from behind uh, win for the Cowboys, I kept thinking since I've had chance to kind of look back on it. I keep hearing the words in my mind of the late, great Jack Buck on a great call in a World Series where he said, I can't believe what I just saw. That's kind of the way I felt about uh, that game yesterday. So uh, glad to, glad they pulled that out and glad that you're with us to kick off a new week here. So always we always appreciate you letting us be part of your day. Uh, we're going to talk weather, harvest weather, with DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson on the program today. We are going to talk about CFAP 2.0. Richard Fordyce, the administrator for the Farm Service Agency, scheduled to be with us to go over the details of the new program. And we'll be talking with the president of the National Association of Wheat Growers about more classes of wheat being included in CFAP 2.0. Some that were left out of the first round will be in the second round. We'll get reaction from the wheat industry to that a little later. So that's all coming up on today's program but uh, some things just want to go over a few things here before we get really get going today Um, of course the news over the weekend of the passing of uh, Supreme Court Justice Ginsburg and now this whole political uh, landscape that was already so divided and and red hot going into this election it's it's just been amped up even more and this great debate on uh, should uh, justice be picked uh, replacement be picked before the election or not so that's really going to dominate things uh, for quite some time we have to remember they've got some other things to do and even though members of congress often like to remind us oh yeah they can do more than one thing at once let's face it history tells us they get fixated on one thing and it's hard to get much else done but they do have some things to get done in congress they need to get a compromise stopgap funding bill done this week to keep the government operating until december so they've got to do that you have to really wonder now if there's going to be another coronavirus aid package this year because it was already iffy and now you add the supreme court debate to this you really have to wonder if they're going to be able to move that and come to any kind of agreement or not because they just don't seem to be in any kind of mood to agree on much of anything right now. So we have to watch that. But back to the funding. Um, Still got to watch this closely because have to see if there's going to be money for the CCC. As of yesterday, there are reports that Democratic leaders had not yet signed off on including the CCC replenishment funds in this continuing resolution that they are working on to keep the government going. Farm groups are pointing out that the CCC account is in danger of running out, or running short at least, in October. That would leave USDA unable to make 
those scheduled commodity and conservation program payments. So USDA, remember, is tapping into that account to make this second round of CFAP payments using $14 billion that was added to the account under the CARES Act enacted in March. Uh, so the enrollment in the, the second round begins today, runs through December 11th. But you've got to have the money in there. So we have to wait and see what Congress actually gets done. You would like to think they're going to get together and at least do something to keep the government open. But will there be money for the CCC? And uh, will there be any chance of getting another coronavirus aid package done? Those are big questions here as we uh, move towards the election. So those are things to really keep in mind. We'll be focusing a lot on that in the days ahead. But something else I want to talk about today, this is uh, National Farm Safety Week. The third week of September is recognized as National Farm Safety Week. And this annual observance goes back, dates all the way back to the 1940s. And it continues to be an important reminder for all of us. That's right, all of us. Every Farmer Counts is the theme for this year's Observance And while my, many things in agriculture have certainly changed over the years, the importance of farm safety has not changed. And even though ag workers make up only 1% of our population today, agriculture is still one of the most dangerous occupations in America. Now, technology has certainly helped in some important areas, such as communication, but it has not removed all the risks associated with farming. You can't remove all those risks. They're always going to be there. Agriculture, of course, will never be a zero-risk occupation, but there are ways to make it safer. Perhaps the biggest risk is the attitude that it will never happen to me when we think of farm accidents. When I look back many, many years ago now at my days working on the farm, I realized that I took a lot of dangerous and foolish risk. And those of you on the farm can probably do the same thing. Look back and say, boy, I probably should not have done that. I remember riding on a tractor drawbar over a bumpy field, barely hanging on sometimes, uh, and almost falling off that tractor with something a wagon or something behind me that would have been a could have been a fatal situation, a very dangerous situation. Uh, to things like clean, cleaning out a grain bin with no mask on, you know, I continually and a lot of others have as well put myself in dangerous situations, and you probably do that as well at times. So farm safety covers a lot of areas. Long hours, weather, machinery issues, slow lines at the elevator, crop prices, they can all contribute to dangerous distractions. It only takes a momentary lapse in concentration to cause a life-changing accident. Even those who are not farmers need to be extra cautious this time of year. Motorists need to be aware of large, slow-moving equipment on our rural roads and be more patient and careful when approaching and passing. We all get in a hurry, but we have to be careful here and be patient. Farmers, make sure you have the proper lighting and signage on your equipment. And, of course, farm safety involves more than just physical challenges. You know, at best, farming is stressful, and these are far from the best of times in agriculture. Many farmers are faced with some really heart-wrenching decisions over being able to continue doing what they love to do. Farmers don't like to talk about such issues nor seek help in dealing with them. But we all need to look out for one another and be aware of warning signs. Be sure to let people know you care about them and that you're there for them. Encourage them to seek assistance if they need it and be willing to help them get that assistance. Even though social distancing has become part of our lives today, we need to stay connected. 
It takes all of us working together to have a safe harvest season. Harvest is getting underway. It's a busy time. There are a lot of pressures, a lot of stress, a lot of tension. But be careful. Don't don't get caught in that trap of thinking it won't happen to me. I've heard all this before. I don't need to worry about it. We all need to be aware of it, be concerned about it, take all the steps we can. Like I said, it's never going to be a zero-risk situation, but we could work together to make it as safe as we possibly can. So let's. it's National Farm Safety Week, but let's practice those good habits every day. All right, we'll take a break, come back. We'll talk weather for this harvest season with DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. That's next on AOA. Adams on Agriculture, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. Wearing a seatbelt while driving or riding in a vehicle can greatly reduce the risk of injury or death. Sadly, half of all roadway fatalities are unbuckled drivers and passengers. People who aren't buckled endanger not only themselves, but others in the vehicle as well. Everyone riding in vehicles should be properly restrained to increase the likelihood of survival. Drivers should make sure that all occupants of the vehicle, including themselves, are buckled up. Drive safe. Save lives. A toast to soil health. More and more landowners and their farmers are celebrating healthy soil for good reason. Because farmers who use soil health building practices like no-till and cover crops and who use diverse species and rotations report greater farm productivity, profitability, and resiliency. So here's to your soil's health. Contact your local USDA Natural Resources Conservation Service office today and learn how to unlock the secrets in your soil. This message brought to you by USDA and this radio station. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, we finally have confirmation of the decision to deny those gap year waivers to the renewable fuel standard. Joining us now is Jeff Cooper, president and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association. Your thoughts? The announcement from EPA that they are rejecting these gap year small refinery exemption petitions is is great news for the industry. It's a big step forward. And the best part about it is it's official. It's a final action. We don't have to wait for EPA to do anything else. You know, it's not a a commitment or a promise that something may happen. It it happened. The memo that came out from EPA yesterday, we believe, should put the nail in the coffin for these gap year waivers and, and hopefully put that big mess uh, that EPA created for itself behind us and, and we can get back to implementing the RFS and, and you know honoring the congressional intent with this program. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. As an organ donor, your story doesn't have to end. A good in you can live on. In fact, you could save up to eight lives with your gifts. Your heart could keep beating. Your kidneys could keep filtering. And your intestines could keep on digesting for others. And that's not all. You can improve the lives of 50 more people as an eye and tissue donor, restoring sight and health. And you're not just helping out the person receiving the transplant. You're touching whole families with your life-saving gift. Register in minutes. Just go to organdonor.gov. You'll be happy you did. And just maybe, someone else will be happy too. Sign up today. Go to organdonor.gov. It saves lives. 
U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. All right, let's talk weather with DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. Bryce, we're into that time of year where even in areas that need rain, and there are quite a few of those areas, you're also wanting crops to dry down. You want to be able to get out there and get some harvesting done. So it's kind of you're, you're kind of split in a lot of cases. What's the forecast look like for this week ahead? For most areas, Mike, uh, the forecast is looking quite favorable for harvest uh, because we're going to have a lot of uh, dry conditions, maybe just a little bit of uh, light shower activity crossing the northern Midwest and part of the north central plains. And uh, temperatures that are going to be pretty much above normal west of the Mississippi and uh, near to maybe just a little bit below normal east of the Mississippi. And that's going to be in effect all the way through um, most of this week, through, certainly through the entire week west of the Mississippi. Uh, when we get to the end of the week on Thursday and Friday, uh, we could see rain work uh, into uh, the uh, Great Lakes on east from the uh, tropical system that's down on the Texas coast right now. And so producers there uh, may be facing uh, some disruption later in the week. But otherwise, it's going to be a very open week uh, for a lot of harvest progress when you're talking about uh, most of the Midwest and uh, the Plains for this uh, coming week. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of harvesting will get going for sure. Uh, what about temperatures this week? We've had some really cool temperatures. Do we start uh, warming up a little bit again or not? Yeah, it's going to be real mild. Um, you know, like I say, over uh, the Plains and uh, the uh, Midwest, certainly uh, from the Mississippi River West, we're going to see normal to above normal temps. I mean, uh, parts of the, uh, the upper Midwest, uh, northeastern plains later this week, could even see highs approaching 90. Uh, so very warm. Obviously, that's going to let crops dry down and keep the fields uh, firm for equipment, for the grain carts, combines, and uh, semis. And... Um, over the uh, eastern Midwest, there will be near to maybe just a little bit below normal temperatures, but certainly not a repeat of that uh, cold snap that we had last week. Uh, there is a little bit of residual cold this morning in the northeast in New York State into New England. Over uh, crop country, though, uh, that, that chill has pretty well run its course for now. So what's the... Uh... What's the controlling system now that we're we're watching for harvest time? I mean, we've had uh, you know big storms in the Gulf that didn't pump moisture into the Midwest. Uh, we're seeing what's going on out west. What's kind of the controlling system right now? The big feature is uh, upper level high pressure out over the southwestern plains. Uh, we know how dry it is in that part of the country, and uh, it's it's pretty well been. Uh, controlling the the uh, balance of the sky conditions and uh, the the pattern uh, during the last several days, and we're going to see that pretty well in play this week. Uh, that system that's down, you know, by Corpus Christi, Texas, uh, at the moment is uh, going to get pushed to the east uh, when it makes landfall. It is going to track through the delta and then on into the Ohio Valley and the eastern Great Lakes, 
So there could be some heavy rains in parts of the Delta uh, and eastern Texas. Uh, there could be some damage to the cotton crop in that part of the country. So that is potentially a problem there. Uh, but I know that in the Delta, they've had a pretty good uh, uh, run of uh, grain harvest. Uh, so I don't think we're going to be seeing a whole lot of uh, a, a whole lot of real adverse impact from that uh, tropical system in terms of uh, grain harvest, corn and soybean progress in the Delta. Uh, there could, like I say, be some delays in the eastern Midwest. But this upper level ridge out over the plains uh, and so forth is uh, mainly going to keep uh, everything on a drier and very warm, uh, very warm track. Uh, certainly a lot different than a lot of growers had to work with in the last couple of years. And, you know, like I've been telling some other friends uh, in talking about this weather pattern, uh, there are some longer-term uh, concerns about soil moisture for next year's crop, but uh, we will have plenty of time to address those after we take care of getting this year's crop uh, out of the field and uh, either into the bin or, or into the uh, marketing channel. Yeah, we're kind of at the point. A lot of farmers are probably saying, "Let's let's get harvest and fall field work done, and then we'll start uh, thinking more about the, the the dry weather going into next year." But let's talk about uh, Dennis Toddy, the director of the U.S. Midwest Climate Hub, often talks about uh, watching La Nina forming and the pattern there. What does that mean for us moving forward? Well, La Nina uh, right now is still a pretty weak event in the Pacific. Uh, the Southern Oscillation Index on the 30-day average uh, that the Australians track uh, very closely was just over a plus nine today, and uh, that's in a weak La Nina category. Um, if uh, La Nina continues through the winter, and, and all indications are that it will, uh, the, the uh, primary impact that we would see in the North Central U.S. is a colder and stormier winter than average. And so right there, we're talking about a, a real uh, tangible feature. Along with that, in the uh, eastern Midwest, uh, La Nina could be an above normal, temper- or above normal precipitation producer, which could be both in the form of snow and freezing precipitation. So that gets into, you know, kind of a uh, problem area, too, when you think about winter weather. Uh, if La Nina were to be in effect uh, again through the winter, the southern plains have a drier signal, and they're quite dry already in, in much of that region. Uh, if La Nina then would stay into effect all the way through the spring, uh, there would be a continued drier trend uh, in the Midwest, and then that would uh, lead to some soil moisture concerns when we think about the crop for next year because that surplus that a lot of those soil profiles had, it got spent. And uh, we're looking at a lot of real soil moisture deficits now uh, after the uh, way the last half of the summer treated us. Yeah, so those will be things we'll be talking about uh, later this year and uh, throughout the winter headed into next spring. Uh, You're also tracking for us uh, the weather for South America and their planting season. How do things look there? They do not look favorable for a real notable start to the central Brazil rainy season yet, Mike. And I'm focusing on Mato Grosso because, after all, 40% of the Brazil soybean crop is grown in that one state. And this week, uh, the major reporting stations in Mato Grosso have no more than about a tenth to maybe 20 hundredths of an inch of rain uh, in store for the entire week, along with temperatures that are going to be in the upper 90s to the low 100s. 
So there still is not a real uh, solid indication that this pattern has turned wetter yet. Uh, so I know there's been some scattered soybean planting underway, but I don't think we're going to be seeing a, a real widespread wholesale planting uh, scenario get going just yet. And it looks like that rainy season is going to be starting uh, a, at least a week later than average in central Brazil, the way this pattern is acting. So that's something to watch as we keep an eye on what kind of crop they may have there. It may not get off. We don't know yet, but it may not get off to the best start, it sounds like. That's right. Uh, the The average date for the uh, Mato Grosso rainy season to begin uh, that uh, Mark Brusberg from USDA uh, did some research on um, is September the 26th. Well, obviously, we're going to be approaching that date at the end of this week. Mm-hmm. And uh, with this uh, kind of, uh, you know, subpar rain pattern, uh, we're not looking yet at, uh, at, you know, some real favorable rains to uh, get going for uh, that Mato Grosso crop uh, region. And so I think that uh, there's some question as to uh, just how successful that start of the Brazil uh, soybean season is uh, truly going to be. Well, we'll keep an eye on that. We certainly can, we know how things can change. I mean, it wasn't that many weeks ago that we, we thought we were on pace for this, uh, maybe a record crop, and things uh, got dry and changed in a hurry, didn't they? Yeah, they sure did. That With that uh, dare ratio that uh, just blasted uh, the western corn belt, particularly in Iowa, here uh, on August the 10th. That was sort of the the first real uh, huge event that uh, made its uh, impact on, on the, uh, the crop psychology. And then after that, the uh, the drought uh, problems really started to uh, make their, their evidence known. And uh, that was only about six weeks ago. Yep, it changed quickly. All right. Good to talk with you, Bryce. Thanks for the update. We'll talk again next week. Sounds good, Mike. Thank you. Uh-huh, DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. All right, up next, we'll get details on CFAP 2.0. More commodities, what about the formula that will be used, and uh, how will it compare to the first round? We're going to talk with the administrator of the Farm Service Agency, Richard Fordyce, scheduled to be with us next. And we'll go over some of these details and have some questions for him about CFAP 2.0. That's next. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines. About 80% of farmers use propane to dry their grain. If you're part of that 80%, you know a dryer filled with propane distributes heat and dries grain more evenly. With FS Propane, you can increase harvest quality, improve productivity, and lower fuel cost. Propane from FS ensures dependable supply. FS offers services and flexible, convenient payment programs to help keep your mind on your business while they manage your propane tank and supply. For grain drying, choose FS Propane. FS Propane brings the heat. Adams on Agriculture. Conversations with policymakers, the movers and shakers in the ag industry, the pros and cons of issues important to you. Cutting through the spin to get to the heart of a topic and giving you the information you need to know. Every weekday, Mike Adams brings you guests important to the ag industry. 
It's quite simply information farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. A defensive tone to corn, wheat, and soybean futures as we begin this trading week. The streak of flash export sales to China, confirmed by USDA, now up to 10 consecutive days, with USDA confirming a sale of 132,000 metric tons of soybeans to China on Monday, along with the sale of 132,000 tons of soybeans to Pakistan. Grain traders have been rushing headfirst into soybean futures, with Friday's commitment of traders report showing an increase in managed money traders taking long positions in the soybean market, an hour into the trading day, new crop November soybeans down 14 and a quarter at 1029. January at 1033 and a half down 13 and three quarters. Corn December down six and a quarter at 372 and a quarter. Offshore oil production in the Gulf of Mexico has begun to come back online now that Hurricane Sally has passed unshore. But the Houston Ship Channel being shut down, some offshore oil production being halted as the slow-moving tropical storm Beta is churning in the Gulf of Mexico. Wheat futures, Chicago, December down eight and three quarters, five sixty-six and a quarter. Kansas City wheat, December down six at four ninety-eight and a quarter. Minneapolis spring wheat, December down six and a quarter at five forty-five. Live cattle futures trending eighty-five to a dollar ten lower. Feeder cattle twenty-seven to a dollar fifty lower. Lean hogs fifty to ninety cents lower. You're listening to AOA. I'm Rusty Halverson for the American Ag Network. What do Mick Jagger, Barbara Walters, and Star Jones all have in common? They've all suffered from something called heart valve disease. Heart valve disease affects 11 million Americans and, if left untreated, can lead to death. Unfortunately, less than one in four Americans have much knowledge of this disease that kills more than 25,000 people every year. The good news is that if heart valve disease is treated, patients can recover and live long, happy, and productive lives. But in order to treat heart valve disease, you need to know if you have it. If you or your loved ones are over the age of 65, have been treated with radiation to the chest, have been diagnosed with a heart murmur, or have a history of heart disease, it's time to listen to your heart. Ask your doctor today about screening for heart valve disease. A message brought to you by Heart Valve Voice U.S. For more information about the symptoms and treatment for valve disease, go to heartvalvevoice-us.org. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. All right, so we get ready for CFAP 2.0. And joining us now to give us details is Richard Fordyce, FSA Administrator. Richard, thanks for joining us. So many things I want to ask you about this. Uh, I want to get right to it. Uh, first of all, you're, you've expanded again. You're going to include more commodities this time. Yeah, that's right, Mike. Um, you know, we, you know, the steps that we took in CFAP 1, the initial announcement, and then we added commodities as we 
were able to understand what that data meant, so on and so forth. I know you and I have had that conversation several times. Um, so CFAP2, uh, again, looked at uh, a lot of data that, uh, that either provided uh, a basis for inclusion or even in some cases we included some under a different category that maybe the, the data wasn't available or we didn't detect a 5% price decline. So it's really it's really pretty broad coverage, um, CFAP2, lot, a lot more commodities, uh, and we've taken a bit of a different approach in some of those categories. Let's talk about the formula that you will use in CFAP2. So in CFAP2, we basically have three categories. We have the sales commodities, which would include specialty crops, tobacco, which was not in CFAP1, aquaculture, and others. Um, and that is going to be taking a look at your 2019 sales, and depending on the volume of those sales in dollars, we will make a payment um, on a percentage of those 2019 sales. Uh, price trigger commodities, um, those are the ones that, uh, so row crops or our non-specialty crops are a lot of those. Livestock, dairy uh, are, are the major commodities that, have, that need a minimum 5% price decline from January through July. And so there will be different rates depending on what the, what the commodity is. So, um, you know, so for example, um, soybeans, soybeans is going to be paid at a rate of 58 cents a bushel. Um, but we're going to factor that to 54% because based on all the data that we have, it, historically, soybeans, 54% of those are marketed in the year that they're produced. Corn, on the other hand, the same payment rate, $0.58 cents a bushel, but the percentage that we're going to pay on is 40%. And all of this goes back to how do we, how do we know what the numbers are? Well, we're going to use your 2020 acreage, um, planted acreage as, as determined by an acreage report, and then we're going to use your individual APHs, so your average production history um, uh, specific to your operation, and that's how we're going to use the bushels we're going to start with, and then a payment rate of different, obviously across the board, different payment rates depending on the crop, and then a different crop marketing percentage. Um, and so it's when it when it's explained like I'm explaining it to you, it sounds a little complicated, but it's but it's pretty straightforward, and we're going to continue to talk to folks about it. I really appreciate the chance to be on today with you to to start talking about it. But um, a lot of that information can be found at farmers.gov/backslash/cfat. Let me go to the last um, the last category, Mike, and that's the flat rate uh, row crops. Basically, this is a this is a grouping of, of crops that either have small acreages or we were not able to determine um, with the data that we had access to and other, um, other uh, sources that we couldn't determine a 5% price decline. So we're going to pay a flat rate of $15 per acre for those commodities. And again, that'll be based on your 2020 planted acres. So so three different, three different categories, the sales commodities, which is we're looking at 2019 sales. Those are specialty crops and aquaculture and others. Price trigger commodities, which are our row crops, livestock, and dairy. Uh, and then the flat rate row crops, which are those that uh, we couldn't determine a 5%, and that's a $15 per acre just flat rate um, payment. We're talking with FSA Administrator Richard Fordyce. All right, Richard, I've got a question here from uh, some farmers in North Dakota uh, and I don't know if you've heard this or not or got it from other parts of the country, but I wanted to go over this with you. Basically, the question is, and this goes back to CFAP 1, 
for those who had sold their crop before uh, January 15th, uh, they find out they could not qualify for CFAP. And the question is, why isn't the program about the crop year rather than an arbitrary date, which seems to, in some cases, have penalized farmers who went ahead and marketed as they normally would uh, before that date and in some cases may not have gotten as much as they would have under CFAP. Uh, have you had that question? If so, what would you say to them? Well, so so CFAP 2 is, um, you know, especially, uh, let's use row crops for an example. We're going to take your 2020 acreage as, as, you reported it um, either through a crop insurance agent or through farm service agency, and then your annual production history for your individual operation. And so take acres times yield through that APH, that gives you your total bushels. And then we're going to apply that rate um, and then just a historical um, uh, historical marketing percentage that's, you know, that, that we got from NAS and other sources um, that determine – on average, how much of that year's crop is marketed. So, you know, I guess, Mike, when we, when we you know, think about set, standing up a program of this magnitude, it's, four, it's another $14 billion that will go into this program. Um, and the number of producers that will likely avail themselves of the program you know, we're, we don't know. We have, we, right now we've got over 600,000 producers that, you know, we're still finishing up CFAP1, but over 600,000 producers that did CFAP1. Obviously, anticipation is that we'll have more than that in CFAP2. And so, so there's a little bit of a balance here. It's, it's how can we get meaningful dollars into producers' pockets that's reflective of what's happening this year without going to what we refer to as the shoebox method, where producers are bringing in every single record that they have, what they sold, what their inventories were. Um, so, so an attempt to streamline, streamline the program while still getting dollars, uh, dollars to producers that should be fairly representative of, um, you know, of their operation to some degree using the APH, and then fairly representative based on historical marketing percentages um, you know, that, that we've seen, uh, happen, you know, over the years. So, so, you know, it's, it's difficult to tailor a program, a national program. It's difficult to tailor it to, um, to suit every need, but we sure tried to do just as much as we could to make it as representative as we could and still be able to administer it, um, you know, fairly quickly. And that's, you know, again, that's a delicate balance to try to, to try to make all those decisions to do that. How much money have you sent out now under CFAP 1? And do you have all the money you need for CFAP 2? Or is it depending on Congress replenishing the CCC with a, a spending bill here to keep the government open? So um, so CFAP 1, we're over $10 billion. We're 10 and a half, I think, Mike, um, today. I haven't, I haven't actually looked at the numbers this morning. Um, 10 and a half, 10 point seven, maybe close to 11. And I, I, again, I don't know. I didn't look at the numbers, but, um, you know, we had $16 billion in the CFAP, uh, CFAP one program. You know, we, we are still cleaning up applications. You know, we, there are some places in the, in the country that we'd let them go a little longer areas impacted by hurricanes, areas impacted by the derecho areas impacted by wildfires. So we'll still have some more of that come in where we'll land on that. I don't know. Um, we do, we do feel, I mean, we feel like we've got the 14 billion, 
um, you know, to fund CFAP2. And certainly we're anxious to see what Congress's decision is um, on replenishing um, CCC for additional expenditures. But, um, you know, it, it, we feel confident that we have the money, um, the $14 billion to, to fund this program. For those that were already signed up in CFAP 1, are they automatically signed up for CFAP 2 or do they have to do it all over again? Got to do it all over again. And, and basically, because it is a different approach in some cases, some cases it's similar, but but every every category is just a little bit different. And we're going to be looking at different numbers. For example, the dairy number, um, the production number is for a different period of time. Um, on the livestock side, we're, we're, we're looking at inventory numbers of market cattle, market-ready cattle or market-ready livestock and, and pigs. Um, and let me see. So the so uh, specialty crop, we're looking at 2019 sales um, numbers. So everything is, is a little, it's similar, but it's different. Um, and it's different enough that folks will have to reapply. And that process starts today? Starts today, yes. Um, <clears throat> sign up, uh, sign up began today. We we took a little different approach on training. You know, <clears throat> we have uh, that administer farm programs um, across the country about nine thousand folks. You know, we have our other side of the house, which is the loan the loan side. But the folks that are administering programs is around nine thousand across the country. And so, we recorded um, our training, and given the timing of when the when the regulation. Um, was posted and some official announcements. Um, we we had the we had the training done, and then as soon as the announcement was made, we sent that to all of our staff across the country. They are looking at that, and then we're having uh, Q and A sessions uh, periodically this week with staff, and so they can look at the training, they can understand the program. They're probably going to get questions from producers, and as we do these Q and As throughout the week and even into next week. Um, we feel like we should have pretty good coverage and, and a really high knowledge um, base for our employees across the country to administer it. All right, Richard, I'm sure there are going to be many more questions. We'll look forward to staying, staying in touch with you and getting updates on how it's going, and we'll address these questions as they come up. Thank you so much. Thanks, Mike. Always good to be with you, sir. Take care, my friend. Richard Fordyce, FSA Administrator, as uh, he discusses CFAP 2.0. More classes of wheat included in this second round of CFAP. We'll talk with the president of the National Association of Wheat Growers about that next on AOA. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. You may not realize how important three letters can be. For a patient who needs type A, B, or O blood, these letters can mean life. But there simply aren't enough people giving blood. Every two seconds, someone in the U.S. needs it. But only about 3% of the population donates. Without more donors, hospitals may not have the blood needed to save lives. That's why the American Red Cross needs people to help restore the A's, B's, and O's that are depleting each day. When you make your appointment to donate blood at redcrossblood.org forward slash missing types, you can help give strength to kids 
kids, parents, and grandparents who face life and death challenges. From cancer patients to accident survivors waiting for critical surgeries, your generosity can give someone more life. Don't wait until the letters A, B, and O are missing from hospital shelves. You are the missing type patients need. Visit redcrossblood.org forward slash missing types or call 1-800-RED-CROSS to make your donation appointment today. Do you know how to keep food safe at home? Clean, separate, cook, and chill. The easy lessons of clean, separate, cook, and chill will help you protect your family and be food safe. Let's talk about how to separate. First, use different cutting boards for meat, poultry, seafood, and veggies. Raw meat should never touch food that won't be cooked. Then, always keep raw meat, poultry, seafood, and their juices away from other foods in the shopping cart. And store raw meat, poultry, and seafood in a container or on a plate in the fridge so juices won't drip on other foods. Food safety risks at home are more common than most people think. The USDA is your partner in being food safe. Clean, separate, cook, and chill. For more information, visit BeFoodSafe.gov or call 1-888-MP-HOTLINE. Young farmers don't listen to the radio, right? Wrong. In a recent survey, 74% of young producers said they get their most important agricultural information from their trusted farm radio station. Surprised? Don't be. If you think about it, it makes perfect sense. Radio is the perfect companion because it goes with you everywhere. Whether you're in the shop, on the combine, or in the truck, Farm Radio is right there with you. This message brought to you by the National Association of Farm Broadcasting. Adams on Agriculture prides itself on bringing top leaders in the egg industry right to your radio speakers. AOA wants to continue that conversation right to your fingertips. Follow AOA on Twitter at AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams himself at the handle Mike Adams Egg. You will receive real-time highlights of the show and keep up with which convention or industry meeting AOA is attending. That's AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams Egg. We hope to see you online. Recently on Adams on Agriculture. We're joined now by Kurt Kavarik, Vice President, Federal Affairs for the National Biodiesel Board. When you got the confirmation that EPA is going to deny those gap year waivers to the renewable fuel standard, was it a sigh of relief or a celebration for you? Mike, well, I'm, I'm going to say it was close to a celebration for us. You know, we, we greatly appreciate and applaud this decision by the EPA to uh, put to bed this nonsense and absurdity that small refiners have been using to you know, undermine the renewable fuel standard and, and business certainty that was supposed to be created by this law. It shouldn't have been this hard. There should not have uh, needed to be this much work by you know, Senator Ernst and Senator Grassley and Governor Reynolds and others to convince the administration to simply do the right thing. This was a no-brainer, but at the end of the day, I think it is positive news. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. I spend a lot of time in the garage, but even more time in the rain, sleet, and mud. In 95, I helped tow your moving trailer. In 05, I helped you get out of a ditch. Yeah, I know I'm a bit rusty, and sadly in 09, 
It was sparks from me. Your handy chains. Dragging behind your truck that accidentally started a wildfire. Sparks from dragging chains can start a wildfire. Spark a change, not a wildfire. Visit SmokeyBear.com. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Only you can prevent wildfires. Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. All right, we just talked with FSA Administrator Richard Fordyce about CFAP 2.0. We mentioned the fact that there will be more commodities included in this round than the previous round, including three classes of wheat this time that were not the first time. Soft red winter, hard red winter, and white. Here to talk about that is the president of the National Association of Wheat Growers, Dave Milligan. Dave, thanks for joining us. I know you were disappointed that the these classes of wheat were not in the first round of CFAP, so I'm sure you're very happy to have them in CFAP 2.0. We certainly are. Uh, it's nice to see it cover a 2020 crop. Uh, as you know, most of the wheat missed the first round. We you know probably a lot of it's because of the trigger dates for the 5% price decline. But, hey, this time around, we've got everybody covered. So we're really, we're really uh thankful for that and we, we certainly need to thank uh, a couple of uh, people that uh, really were instrumental in, in, in our efforts to contact USDA and bring this to their attention and and we had two letters went uh, one from congressmen and one from senators and actually uh, a couple senators that you would know uh, Senator Holvin and uh, Senator Amy Kovacher, uh both were part of that uh, letter sending from the Senate side so so certainly, we certainly appreciate all the representatives and the senators that uh, helped uh, getting that information to the attention of uh, Secretary of Agriculture and other officials at USDA. You pushed hard because you, you really felt strongly that these classes of wheat should have been included the first time around. Exactly. But, you know, the rules are rules, I guess, and, you know, there wasn't any bend. Uh, you know, probably we saw, you know, the first time around there was a little spike in sales, about the time that uh, everything started to shut down and that kind of, uh, you know, I think kind of threw the rest of them out of the, out of the mix. But, uh, hey, the facts are facts this time around. Uh, we had a need, and, and they they saw it and uh, and helped us out at and, and, and a pretty good rate. Uh, you know, 54 cents, uh, of course, that's reduced to 73% because not all the wheat's uh, going to be sold uh, in you know, different sales times, how they came up with that 73%. How helpful, how important has CFAP been to wheat growers? Well, you've probably seen it as much as I've seen when you look at some of these USDA reports that come out and and see what the projected net income is going to be to farmers. And uh, obviously the net income is not going to be very great. And, uh, you know, a high percentage of that's going to be these payments. So obviously very important, and now more wheat will be included in CFAP 2.0. We're talking with Dave Milligan, president of the National Association of Wheat Growers. Uh, this may be even more important because, I don't know, it seems like it's less and less likely that there will be another coronavirus aid package passed in Congress 
and uh, especially now with the Supreme Court debate underway, that may make it even more difficult. So that puts more importance on CFAP and get and getting that assistance for agriculture. Darn right, bird in hands worth a lot more than one in the bush, right? Yeah, yeah the other was kind of shaky already, and now with the uh, Supreme Court developments, it really makes you wonder. Um, so what are your thoughts uh, from a wheat perspective uh, as you've, uh, you continue to go through COVID-19 and you look at the total issue from the demand side, from production side, from government assistance? What are your thoughts as a wheat industry? Well, we're, we're starting to be a little more optimistic. Uh, you know, we've seen a big decline through the years uh, in wheat acres. I, you know, I kind of feel we've hit the bottom. I, I think uh, we're, we're going to see some more wheat acres planted and and hopefully the the export market's uh, going to pick back up. We've seen a little improvement. Uh, and we got optimistic there'll be some more improvement. So, um, yeah, the highway isn't totally paid in gold yet, but uh, I think it's looking a little better. You mentioned acres being down. I mean, the the feeling has been, the narrative has been in recent years, there's just so much wheat on a global scale that it really made it a bearish situation for U.S. wheat producers. Do you think that narrative is starting to change now? It's starting to change a little bit. Um, of course, the biggest, the long-term, the biggest problem that wheat has comparing to uh, corn and soybeans is that we just haven't seen the, the research and the technology to get the yield increases that those other two uh, commodities have had. So that really puts wheat at a disadvantage to you know, we're certainly hopeful, you know, we're continuing with research dollars, we're continuing breeding efforts. Uh, hopefully, you know, we'll also see as improvements come along and get uh, wheat yields a little better and a little more competitive with these other crops. What is the feeling among wheat producers to that issue about biotechnology and the use in, in the wheat industry? Is there strong support for it or still strong mixed feelings? On the grower end, it's uh, we're all about the sound science, and and we know that there's really not an issue as far as we're concerned with the quality of the GMO products versus or the gene edited products versus the you know the conventional. You already have it in corn, soybeans, and and beets and alfalfa and a lot of other things. Uh, we certainly, like I said, we're we believe in science, not in uh, myths that seem to be prevalent, prevalent on the social media today. Well, the good news for right now is, anyway, you, you're going to get some more assistance and more classes of wheat in the CFAP on this second round, and uh, hopefully the other issues will start to turn around in your favor as well. Dave, thank you for being with us. Good to talk with you. Take care. Thank you. All right, that's Dave Milligan, president of the National Association of Wheat Growers. And uh, again, three more classes a week will be included in CFAP 2.0. And with that, we'll wrap things up for today. Lots going on. I keep thinking back four years ago to the election, and I would talk with farmers. What were the two biggest issues going into that presidential election? Uh, And many of them said... uh, WOTUS, getting a new Waters of the U.S. rule. We have that now. And the other was Supreme Court justices. And now that is a huge issue 
here at this latter part, the very last latest part of this uh, campaign, it all of a sudden has become a big issue again. Interesting how the more things change, the more they stay the same. We'll talk more about it tomorrow. Have a great day, everyone. Thanks for joining us on AOA.